Games you deserve. Welcome to Games You Deserve, brought to you by Special Reserve Games. This week on the show, we talk about which games we've been playing lately. Plus, we'll dive into the DNA of collecting. Playing Shining Force Two on my uh, Mega SG, which that's so much fun to go back and play the old Genesis stuff. And so, yeah, I pulled out Shining Force Two a while back, and like I, I'm not doing it in one long setting. You know, I'm, I'm playing it in little bursts. So, now Smitty probably hasn't played this game, right? You haven't played Shining Force games, have you? Is it a uh, one of the secret bunkers in Warzone? Yeah, no, that's, that's I know that's plays. all no, you do. And then, then yeah. I then I haven't played it. Yeah, no. no, no the, this no. is this is like an older game on the Genesis and uh it's it's a tactical RPG where you have a group of guys, a group of players um on your team of different character types. So some of them are like knights, some of them are wizards, some of them are monks or you know, uh centaurs that type of thing and they all have different abilities and you when it when it's battle time and you're faced off against an enemy it's a big giant play field that's drawn out into essentially squares and your players each player can move a certain number of squares and when you are in attack range of your enemy you can initiate attack and then whatever the attack for that one is, because you might have an archer, let's say. And so, you know, they're two spaces away. You can fire your arrows at the enemy and it'll do the math for you and show you a little animation and, and, you know, you, you play against it. But behind the scenes, behind the, the, the play mechanics of, of that, it's an RPG. So you're kind of going from area to area, learning story, that type of thing. It's it's one mm-hmm. of the classics. It's probably one of the best classic tactical RPGs there is um, on older systems. And yeah. and and the Shining the Shining Force series is definitely a favorite of mine. One and two were on the Genesis slash Mega Drive, and then the third one came out on the uh, Sega Saturn. And in the United States. We didn't get all the discs uh, that Japan got. So if you have a Saturn, um, you if you wanted to play like the extra scenarios and that type of thing, you had to get a Japanese one or you had to mod your Saturn and then, you know, play a Japanese copy on there, that type of thing, which kind of sucks. Too bad. Yeah, I wonder why that happened. Well, you know, it, it, the Saturn, yeah, wasn't quite as popular here. And yeah. And, you know, then there's the translation that a game has to go through with localization to, to come across. And I mean, we deal, Smitty, we deal with things about translation, localization on games at times. I'm going through it right now, trying to 
Did you ever know that the the words Mother Russia bleeds do not have a translation that that anybody can agree on in for Russian language? In Russian, yeah, yeah, like Mother Russia is bleeding is, but it means like there's death happening, you know, and like that's the closest we can get. So something about, by the way, just those specific three words do not translate into russian <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> yeah for a, that's for a game that's ironic, called very russian ironic. <laughs> yeah. we've been trying to do that for an alternate you know for in an interior cover spine yep. eric you know we were going to do the uh just the russian translation yeah, yeah, of the right. game and just just simple that's it. i'm not trying to translate the you know hundred thousand no words. you just, just want the three, three words, words. Boom. but those yeah. three words don't go together. So I guess it'd be like if we said, you know, apple slice jackass, you know, like that. that's like how it translates <laughs> apparently over there. They're like, what are you trying to say? We're just Hendrix saying Mother Russia bleeds. Well, that's not what it says, you know. So 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 anyway, uh, it's kind of strange. Yeah. Translation. Yeah. Localization is such a weird beast. So mm, Dan, yes. Dan, what are you playing? Well, I, I bit the bullet and got myself a Nintendo Switch uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, welcome aboard. <laughs> thank you. And uh, so I've got like a package deal that came with Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Um, I've played. I tried both. I started with Super Mario Odyssey. And two it's of fun. the best. Ga- they're like two of the best games ever. Dude. They're Come so on. good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just I just kinda, so I just kind of started with Super Mario Odyssey and I really kind of enjoyed that. And I know I'm late to the party here. This has been out for years and people have already gone through the games and found everything. Um, but the minute I plugged Breath of the Wild in, I've not been able to put that down for weeks now. It's insane how good that game is. Yeah. Uh, and I was never really a Zelda huge Zelda fan. Like I played the older games, you know, a little bit. I didn't always finish them um and then you know i'm aware of all the stuff that kind of happens around that but i never really have gotten into a, a zelda game as much as i have enjoyed uh, breath of the wild because it's just so huge like the game is just immense the amount of work put into that building that world it's unbelievable yeah i what's crazy is is that those games were released within the same year and faced each other for game of the year yeah. how often <laughs> and it's a mario and a zelda with like how often ever would that happen that, that yes. those two games of that caliber release in the same year and face each other for that? And they're both incredible games. I mean, what you ended up with was kind of the perfect storm for Nintendo as a company, right? They, I don't even you kind of don't want that in a sense because you're competing with yourself. But at the same time, it's not like they were released at the same time time during the year well so. they were like technically i think odyssey was a launch title breath of the wild had come up for the wii u already right they were they were already other way around what? um uh, breath of the wild was actually a launch title and launched simultaneously for the uh wii u and the switch on the same day oh, that okay. the switch was okay. released odyssey came later in the year oh but but yeah i mean there was a gap but still in the same year groundbreaking games odyssey though is as as great as it is you're right there's there's this big difference between the two uh you go to breath of the wild and you've got this very different zelda than what you're used to right it's it's definitely open world it's got um to me the 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 physics engine that is fantastic You, you end up with these interactions between the environment the items the character that all feels very very natural uh the the most 
the the best example I can think of that is that when you're in a or, or standing near a body of water that has fish in it, if you want to kill the fish and it's raining and there's thunder and lightning, one thing you can do is grab a metal item you have, like a sword or a shield that's metal. You can take that, throw it into the water, and then when the lightning strikes that metal item, the fish in the water will die. Because <laughs> I didn't know light, that. Yeah, lightning oh will hit the water. <laughs> All of that. That's it's, awesome. it's not like they coded that specific thing. They just coded everything to have the interactions you would imagine. Lightning attracted to the metal, and then having lightning in the water killed the living things Wait. that were in it. Oh, crap. I just thought of something. Then I have this lightning rod that I got uh, when I fought off this crazy thing that was floating around zapping me. So I have this little, like, it's not very, it's not a very good weapon. It doesn't look like it's only got like a five rating, but I think I could shoot electricity with it so I could just do it myself, right? I could probably just do that and zap a pond and get all the fish out of it. Yeah, hmm. I mean, but lightning is going to be stronger, like actual <laughs> the the one from the sky. But but I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the idea is, is that when they coded this engine, it generally makes sense in what would really happen. It's the same reason why when lightning hits the grass on the plains in the game, there's fire, right? Yeah. Because after lightning strike, that's what you have. And and it shows that in the game. I think that's the stuff that makes that game even more brilliant. I, I will agree with a lot of the fan base, though, that the uh, lack of dungeons in the game is something that's missing. It would be nice yeah. to have the classic Zelda they've dungeons. Got, they've got those shrines yeah. with the puzzles and that kind of stuff, but it's not the same. And no, it's yeah, not you, same. You're right. You're, there should be more dungeons. But anyway, I'm having a great time with it. It's been like pretty much everything I've been doing. I st I, I was in the, in the process, almost finished Metal Gear Solid, which I have on my PlayStation Classic. And then, um, what's, what are you holding up? Oh, there you go. Smitty's holding it up to He's the camera for us to see. Breath of the Wild cartridge right there. You there. Go. Yeah. yeah. So I was almost done Metal Gear, and then I just dropped it to start playing Breath of the Wild. So I have, have to go back to Metal Gear and finish that. But I just, it's such a good game. It's, and there's so much. Like I'm just getting started. I'm already like I'm I'm a certain degree and I've already got one of the uh divine beasts going. Yeah. But uh but I'm I you know, it's just crazy. You move on to the next world and it's so different. I'm in the hot, hot lava world or whatever the hell it is, the yeah. The uh the very hot and I burned up there are I the proper clothing. The, I, I think what, what ultimately just makes that game so brilliant is is not <laughs> I mean it's it's not flawless. There's definitely no. gaps and there's definitely issues with it, but you see what you can do, and you see how they coded each interaction with the people and the environments. And like I said, that's what makes that a brilliant game. The things you mm -hmm. think you can do, you can pretty much do. It's yeah. And it makes sense. It acts the way you would imagine. You get in cold weather, you get cold. And the less clothes you have on, the colder you get, and the faster. It's it's all of those little things which are brilliant. So. And you can't climb when it's raining, which sucks. <laughs> Reminds me of Warzone. <laughs> you know, yeah, what a segue. Like Look at that. In, in Warzone, <laughs> you can uh, buy different uh, skins and weapons, and sounds almost like the same game. But uh, I've also been playing Carry On uh, because it's there's a you know there's a beta demo, if you will, that's been going around for quite a while. But because I know people, uh, oh my gosh, uh, because I know people, we have, you know, special codes that we can see current versions of the game, hello, and that thing is pretty fun. I mean, I, I didn't really know 
it looked beautiful. I didn't know if the mechanics of the game, the, uh, how the monster flows, you know, through, if that would be like, I'm going to use basic words like intuitive or, you know, whatever, but would it, you know, would it make sense on a PC or would it, you know, I want to plug in a controller, you know, to my PC. I, I try to play all my games on PC, you know, because I'm an old PC gamer, you know, I mean, I have a switch, but man, you know, like Warzone, I would never even think about playing it on a console, nor would I play it with a a controller. And I know no, no. plenty of people who like controllers, but I mean, W-A-S-D and, uh, and my mouse, man, that's all I, you know, in the space bar, that's all I really need. Right. But that, that's how I play first person shooters for sure. But anyway, so, uh, big love to Warzone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a couple of people that we play with. I like plunder quads. I like blood money. I wish they'd bring back duos, for blood money or plunder eh, because now they, they went to trios now it's at quads and still like jr from devolver he and i or jason that works with us we, we can go in as duos into quads and still we haven't finished first but we finished as high as second place you know doing that so we hustle we hustle and then you know battle royale is just a whole other animal but they had battle royale classic you know uh and if you aren't a br fan i won't get into the whole thing but br classic was pretty fun as well so man i'm having a lot of fun <laughs> with wars it's kind of weird i had this uh, talk with a couple of people we play with you know nigel and a couple of great guys <clears throat> nigel from devolver and you know it's always interesting to hear people who see a lot of games start getting addicted to just this one game. And that's something weird. Just for a few of us, Warzone is like kind of that game. We didn't make it. You know, I don't know anybody at Infinity Ward. And I think I know one guy that used to be at Raven, you know, back in the day, like no connection to this game at all. And I barely play Call of Duty games in normally you know in general at all but something about warzone maybe it was because it was free <laughs> that always <laughs> helps yeah I mean, I mean it was free but uh, so it made the you know the barrier of entry very low but uh, it was uh, something that a couple of us and especially uh you know young guys older guys all kinds of, you know there i hear some girls in there too i don't i say guys in general to human beings but uh they're all ages are in there and there's no rhyme or reason why each of us are so addicted to it. But there's a group of us that, you know, this is our thing. And sometimes we do work together and we like to play games. And so we merge them and we lovingly call this work zone. And so we say, <laughs> hey, you know, like it could be in the middle of the afternoon. Like, hey, you guys want a work zone for about 20 minutes? You know, want a work zone for an hour? Yes. You want a work zone for two rounds? Yes. <laughs> and there's actually work zoning that's getting done. I just want to point that out. <laughs> so. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm playing. Carry on a little bit, a little bit of Fall Guys beta, uh, you know, and you're playing that too, little Eric. Yeah, I can't and, wait uh, to uh, to see what they do with that on release and how many people jump in. And that's going to be nonstop action right there, yeah. with Fall Guys, nonstop. Nice. So going to be fun. I, I, I wanted to add one other thing. Tomorrow, the third switch in my household will arrive. I got really. I got really lucky and was able to snag one right off of Best Buy, retail price, no other games, didn't have to buy any extra games um, for the wife. And she's going to start uh, playing some games. I, I spent some time today going through the collection and plucking out 
ideas and saying, okay, you like this, try this. You like that, try this. And mm -hmm. I got a whole list of stuff and she went out and started going on YouTube and looking at trailers and was like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Or I'm not sure about this one. And I'm over here going, yeah, just, just try it. You know? See, so. I think you're, you're discovering a whole new job there. It's uh, it's called Eric, the game concierge. Well, no, and, you, and you know, no, I'm being hundred percent serious. You know, like, like you need people to know your personality, know your things that you like and don't like from previous, from what you just told me now, and then be able to give you recommendations toward games because most of the algorithms, you know, like on oh, Steam yeah. or something, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're just, are, you know, yeah. they're just sales tools. Those aren't really, mo even Amazon, you know, who, who I used to trust to only <laughs> serve me the uh, items that it really thought I needed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you just, uh, but yeah, you, there is a, so many great games out there, especially the indie games, right? How do you've you do seen you've seen the pictures of of the shelves where I have all the games, right? And I've set it up a little bit like the old blockbuster kind of thing, where it's got them all, you know, kind of set out. And I was thinking maybe I'll just I'll rearrange a little bit and put a couple of shelves there with a little sign, you know, Eric's recommendations. That's right. Yeah, we used to do that blockbuster selections there. Exactly. Or why yeah, not? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just That's take awesome. a picture and post I, I that each week. I will also say that I um, yesterday was my daughter's birthday and we got her a Switch Lite and ah. Animal Crossing. So what she color? is yellow. Um, hey, that's exactly one, what Smitty has. Well, they only had yellow and gray, and I'm like, well, uh, she'll want she'll want some kind of color. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, she got she wanted really wanted Animal Crossing, so we got her that Animal Crossing. So now she's kind of stuck into that game, and I'll have to check in with her. So what <laughs> color what color Switch do you have? I just have the regular one. Uh, the regular the, one. Yeah. Which yeah. one? Blue and red controller. My, my Joy-Con. Blue and red. The, yeah. All right. Yeah, so you've got, you've got the blue and red and, and, and the yellow in your house. Somebody's got the yellow light over there. And the, and the black. My, my Switch is just the regular. I just, the gray. The gray. Yeah. 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 Not, not colored. And, and you're talking about color for, for all these things. I got the original gray one when we got my son his. We got the gray one that's the uh, Pokemon light one, but it's still gray. And then when I got my wife hers, the gray. <laughs> Everything's gray. <laughs> I got no color in my life. It's just gray. So, but, but see, then it's a good base for you to build upon so like your your travel bag it could be fuchsia and it wouldn't clash <laughs> that's right no clashing i wouldn't have to yeah. worry about that see, so and you can always buy new jake joy cons and change yeah. the color up uh yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing yeah see there's there's a simple pleasure stretching that one a little bit black yeah. Yeah, well, and gray i mean most yeah, of, that's I, the I, beauty I of like those the basics i like yeah the basics. most of the clothes yeah. in my closet are black or black same you know, i do same. have a blue shirt on that is today because it's a return of the jedi shirt but uh and i have to commend you on that at least it's original trilogy right there keep your distance though chewy but don't look like you're trying to keep your distance i don't know fly casual now I don't know about you guys. I don't have all my systems hooked up to my TV. I've only got like the I think two systems right now hooked up to my TV, and I don't keep them all hooked up. But I still keep like I've got my old Xbox 360 and stuff like that. Uh, my son dug up the old Wii, our original Wii, <laughs> uh, which I have not hooked up forever. But he's like going down memory lane with these games, and these are the games that like the Wii came out the same year he was born in 2006. So 
and he's all these games he played as a five six year old so he's playing all these old bakugan games and uh mario party and stuff like that and i just kind of made me realize that that's his childhood system right that's it's interesting to me that that system is the one he's he's growing up with so it's like our same as our super nintendo or nintendo yeah you know what you're gonna need to do you're gonna need to take all that stuff though you know and and pack it away later Mm -hmm. when they get bored again and then dig it out in another 10 years well that's what my mom packed up my 2600 and my 5200 and she put each in their own box each with their own games and she labeled it and she kept it at her house until uh i got married and i had my own house and then she said hey i've got a bunch of your stuff that i want to give you and uh, and now that you've got an attic to put it in, you know, it'd be nice. And so any, what she brought down was that plus all my Star Wars toys and oh, my wow. G.I. Joe toys. And she had kept all that stuff. And wow. uh, so, you know, some of it was heavily played with. And then she had some like Star Wars that were still in blister packs, man. That no she, way. She absolutely, and I asked her, she told me about those. And she said, you know, I always thought that these would be valuable and she goes, I remember your father was not happy, you know, with all the toys I was getting you, but I knew that these were an investment and that she would get, um, you know, there were some that stayed in blister packs and then some for me to play with. So anyway, I don't have like a whole complete set of every character ever made in blister packs or whatever, but <clears throat> yeah, that was my mom who was a, a, a public school English teacher, <laughs> you know, who saw a value in the collectability of those Star Wars um, item, uh, the, the Kenner, you know, uh, figurines. Is, now we'll get into the thing in the video games in a second, as far as collectibles go. But is there a value to the original? Like I have an original Wii. It's the one that was. Um, had Ask the, Eric. I mean, I mean, there's probably a million, millions and millions of them out there, right? This was like the most popular console ever. Yeah, the original Wii. There were so many different, so many of them made. I mean, it, the only time it was really valuable was about uh, the first three months <laughs> right. and then they made a hundred million of them so you if you want one you could pretty much you know plunk down 1050 for it now in in all those designer colors too white and white and white and and, and wait red <laughs> Oh, they did, did they make, make a red, red one. Was the red, yes, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and it's, they hadn't quite figured out when the whole color schematic thing. Now, of course, you've got every system available in every color under the rainbow. Well, Nintendo does that with all the Joy-Cons, right? I mean, you see all right. these Joy-Cons. There's like, you know, 30 different kinds of Joy-Con color out there that you can buy from whatever region you want. But they haven't been great on on doing that with systems. However, like, you know, look at how many special edition PlayStation, whatever, or, you know, there's like 50 PS4s of different styles. Microsoft does it. Hey, well, just do me a favor. I'm curious about the PS4. Go through uh, from PS1. Can you name the, including the mobile ones, name them in order. (laughs) <laughs> do it eric of, of each of the systems sony yeah sony, sony, sony systems. systems starting with playstation one and including mobile like including you, mobile it, okay and you so can like, call it vita or vita we won't hold it against you <laughs> once you get there but order is going to be a little difficult for me because uh-huh. that, that's not my strong suit but uh, uh what what are you trying no, to call no, me out on no, Sony? Just, here? I, I can't do it. I just know that you were just a, one of those students in class. I was just like, God dang it. Yeah, I, I sat in the back. I sat in the back for sure. No, uh, I, because I had a, I had a PS1. I had a PS2. I had a PSP. 
Um, I have, I still have a PS3. It's sitting in a in a cabinet right now. Um, but I, I didn't get rid of the PS3, uh, and it was the fat too. It wasn't the uh, the re- reduced size. It was an actual original 60 gig uh, PS3. Um, I didn't have a Vita. Um, I don't know why I missed out on that. Uh, plus the PSPs and the and the Vita and there's like different models of that because you had the original <laughs> fat PSP, right? Right. And they they redid that a couple of different times. Plus you had the PSP Go. There's also the PS TV. Um, obviously the PS4, PS4 Pro, the upcoming PS5. The only thing I didn't really like about Sony with their systems was they always had a proprietary memory card format for their portable stuff. Oh, so you had to yeah, buy the right. damn Sony stick for that. Exactly. Oh, the Sony stick. Well, that goes back to the original PlayStation. They always had those memory cards and stuff yeah. you had to get for that. So, But I, I, at, least, at least with those, though, those had like their roots in – earlier systems that had proprietary memory stuff. Cause like the Dreamcast has the VMUs that would plug into the, the controllers. And, you know, you had like the different systems had different memory packs uh, that would plug in in different ways. So there's kind of a lineage of that, but when he got to the portables, uh, Sony kind of stuck, even though SD cards and compact flash were all common, they stuck to their own proprietary Sony cards. Uh-huh. And so the same memory, you know, you could buy like, this is kind of dating things, but like uh, a whole like 16 meg memory thing, you know, a stick for them. Their proprietary little memory card costs like five times what an SD card would have cost. I see. Okay. So cause they forced you into that. But eventually like people came up with clever ways to make little adapters where you could take like a micro SD and stick it in the adapter and then plug that in. <laughs> Sounds like someone had a side business in college. <laughs> no okay no wasn't you no wasn't, wasn't you, me it wasn't you, i wasn't that did. smart i wasn't that smart Man, to do Man's that he's canadian so whatever he did he is not liable for probably half the laws that we have down here that's very true actually and in fact my my <laughs> we that i <laughs> the we that i just mentioned um it's actually i i, I don't know if it's jailbroken or whatever i've got the homebrew thing this? on he's it because it. he's hacked it so listen no. listen it's an old it's a 14 year old system Broke it out of jail. Um, i'm calling the cops and, and uh but the reason i had to do this i told you guys in a previous episode that i i purchased xenoblade chronicles i was mistaken it was actually the original xenoblade chronicles not xenoblade 2 um for the wii but that was never released in north america right so that one i have is the version from europe and i had to do that to my wii to get to be able to play it on on my Wii, so that's another game my son was playing over the weekend as well. He he fired up that one and started playing Xenoblade Chronicles again, which is an excellent game. Uh oh, a game, but I'm not worried, Bob. I'm with you, and you're the best. Hey, you're no hack yourself, Doc. No game can stop a team like us. I was doing nokia work when helping launch them helping them launch hello uh the engage and the engage qd which were they were the first cellular devices that were made specifically for gaming and then they also had a device called the 3300 which was all blue and that was for music and uh, Mm. so they had like qwerty keyboards on uh on that one because it was made so for, it, fl- it was like it flipped up and you, you it, could have the no, inside no, of it. These, no these were all these these were all u.s based there were some european models but look at the the in in the so it's engage in as in nancy dash g-a-g-e engage yeah. and engage qd 
And then Nokia. the 3300 for the music. Oh, wow. Fund. Oh, look at this thing. That <laughs> yeah. looks cool, and, man. And these were cartridge-based. Mm-hmm. And um, the the problem was, you know, with those, they, they didn't, I think we covered this in a previous uh, episode where they didn't have the network for the store. They didn't have an iTunes. iTunes wasn't even launched yet. An iPod didn't exist yet. It wasn't a know? thing. Mm. It wasn't a thing. And But therefore the store where everybody went, you know, Facebook didn't exist. I think MySpace was around, you know, you know, but, oh, but sure. there was very few like community points, but it was mainly a, a portal for how to disseminate how to sell that content uh how to how to get rid whether it was music movies or video games or just and it was a phone as well was it also it was a phone? Great phone it was a nokia okay. phone uh, you know and nokia phones number one had battery life for days you know mm-hmm. battery life for days so <clears throat> my daughter who's now 17 has seen some of these phones that i was working on in 2004 you know and she was very much a child uh, baby baby and that was a motorcycle and uh, <laughs> and or she, lunch oh ooh, ooh, who's coming by <laughs> but what she uh she w- found my old drawer of these phones because i just kept all these phones i was never a guy that traded my cell phones in <clears throat> to get another phone i would just buy phones so i was either buying uh unlocked phones from europe and this was back when the it was either code division or time division. It was CDMA or TDMA networks. You know, it was, it was Sprint. It was AT and T. You didn't have four G. You know, we didn't have five G. None of that was even. There were no Gs. <laughs> there was no G. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so it was. You know, data was also very slow over all this, and I think that was probably part of the reason. But nonetheless, the collectability, the value of these phones, do they seem to never increase if you will but they maintain a aesthetic value you know to certain people like i kept these phones because i think they're beautiful designs i thought they were really neat i can look back at them and and rep oh that represented my first year at gathering of developers or oh i bought that phone you know the year i got married or you know something like that so each one of those phones kind of marked something because how and then once the gaming uh, element came in with the cell phone with Nokia. That was just the, you know, the coup de grace for me, man. And, uh, but so anyway, I kept all those phones. My daughter's fascinated by them, you know, so she's a generation Z kid. She looks at those things like they're the coolest thing ever. And if they would work, she would love it, you know, but she doesn't necessarily want to use it as a phone. She sees it as like a museum piece. <laughs> you know? And so my it's question a gaming is, system, yeah. yeah, it's a gaming system, museum piece. It's like an OG thing that just, and it kind of does show the evolution. So like, to, you know, like any, either one of you guys, if you look back at one of your older systems, I mean, there's a, your value that you hold of whatever game system you've been lugging around for 20 years <laughs> or 30 years. You, you think it's worth, I don't know, uh, you know, is it's not worth money. We don't think of stuff as worth, oh, that's probably worth a hundred bucks. That's probably worth 500 bucks. No, it's worth memories. It's worth, yeah, exactly. It's worth time. my memories. And, yeah. and I know I still have it and it's mine. It's actually mine. I'm not looking at a yeah. picture. I'm not looking at yours. And saying, oh, I had one like that. I'm like, no, that's mine. So there's kind of a weird, like, that's the collectability of some of these games and some of the physical stuff. And then it parlays into the video, or into the cell phone world, you know, through the that Nokia connection, you know, with the Engage devices. But uh, that was about it. Because <laughs> I rarely play games on my phone. Um, I Those 
I can, in an old man way, I look at some phone games as just a waste of time. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like oh, that's the point. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. But I look at them like that, and I'm like, yeah. sure as heck, would not want to pay to waste my time. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd rather be sending emails or text or looking at stupid memes that change the world, and uh, just until I can get back to my computer. <laughs> you know those those engage phones came at the strangest time too when you think about how that worked because th- it was right towards the end of the life of those kinds of phones like that static hard button device right I mean you, you oper- saw these it was all operating system driven yeah that was the Symbian operating the Symbian system the Symbian operating system from, from Nokia and, and they they sort of they got lucky in a sense that they figured out how to make that and put that out before the death of that type of phone. Okay. But it was it was still a little late. You know, it was still just a little bit too late. Had that happened a couple of years earlier, there would have been a little bit more life to those. And who knows what, what would have come from that. Um, I, I did have an N-Gage. Um, and somewhere I have a picture I can prove that. Uh, it was a it was just a cool device. I, I can't tell you the difference between them. Mine was the one that kind of like, looked like a it was shaped almost like a smile and had the buttons like that. You probably I've got one sitting over here. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably know which one that is um, uh, of those. Yeah, that that's the one that if I it, own. If it had orange on it, if it had orange, on I couldn't the, tell you that right now. I don't remember orange. it. That also don't forget that was when the color combination of orange and blue, <laughs> you know, that was like cutting edge, you know, and freaking everything became orange and blue. Highlights. And now that just gets overused in movie posters. Yeah, it reminds mm-hmm. me of Ocean Pacific shirts that I wore when I was a young oh, yeah. fat kid. Ocean Pacific, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but but anyway, getting back to the value of all this, you know. Well, I was going to ask Eric, you've been collecting uh, video games for most of your life. When did you start kind of realizing that that's something you were doing? Like, I know you, you played video games, but did you just keep your systems and start the collection there? Or how uh, I was, I was worried you were going to start putting numbers on how long I've been doing it. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. How, I, I assume I, I'm that most old, of your uh, most most of your adult life, four years, right? <laughs> but but was it was it like um like uh, Smitty said when you know his mom kept all his GI Joes and the Star Wars figures? Did you just keep the systems you had as a kid and build from there? Is that how you started I, your collection? I am I am jealous of what I don't know what Smitty's doing right now. <laughs> I'm jealous of of uh, of the fact that his mom had some foresight to. Same. Sock some of Most that away. Most people didn't at the time. Yeah, most people well, didn't think of that. I, I, I blew, I blew my own chances to uh, to do that. I, I ended up selling a lot of that stuff when I was a kid on my own. But most of the time, it was to raise it to buy whatever the next one <laughs> exactly. was. I mean, yeah. just like a lot of us, right? right? Yeah. You, 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 you had the the Nintendo and the you know, stockpile of, of 20 games or whatever. Right. And then you took that down to wherever store and you turned it in for, you know, that super Nintendo or the Genesis or whatever the next, you took what your stockpile was and you turned it in probably for the next thing. Uh, you know, that it wasn't necessarily as common for, for a lot of people. And I do know a few collectors that, you know, they, and they, they, 
kept every box, kept every manual, kept every insert, and they just you know put that stuff in a in a box somewhere. But those guys are are few and far between. I almost everybody didn't do that. I had a neighbor who loved to collect my video games. Yeah, <laughs> but he never yeah. seemed to have any of his own. Didn't you have a friend like no, that? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Don't you remember that? Day? Let me borrow that game. And you're like, okay. and you knew what that meant. You knew what that meant eventually. Sure, Just like, I'll, I'll give me that. the game. He's only yeah. asking for it. You know, yeah. or when yeah. we go over to somebody's house, it. I seriously remember having these conversations. I'm having a flashback now from you know sixth grade where it was like, hey. Dan, you want to? Oh, I'm having a sleepover tonight. Uh, do you you want to come over? And then you say, yeah. And then you say, can I bring Eric? You say, yeah. Eric's got a Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Bring, yeah. Tell him to bring a Super Nintendo over. Like those were the days where oh, yeah. let's not let's go stay at the night at Eric's because he has a PlayStation. You know, <laughs> like those were decisions that actually meant something. You know, back in the youth. Yeah. And uh, but bring, let me borrow that game. <laughs> When's oh, the last yeah. time you've heard that one from anybody? I mean, even as an adult, how many friends of yours, you know, hey, let me borrow that movie. You're like, no, buddy, you can buy it yourself because I'll never see it. I'll never see it again. And if I do come over and I ask for my game back, you act like I'm a, a selfish butthole. You know? and I was just like, so, so those are the game. Remember this, people. I haven't finished it yet. What do you mean? I'm still working it. on it. Yeah, you moved. You moved to another state. <laughs> to, yeah, completely across the country. Exactly. Yeah, I think everybody had that friend. So, Eric, when did you start collecting in earnest, would you say? Like, when you actually say, I'm now a video game collector, I'm going to start keeping these. Or was it just something you started well, doing? and in, what's your fun? end game, too? Like, you know, how did you establish that, right? Like, what's the end game for you, too, beyond being... I mean, to be honest, uh, I went through a... I went through this period of time where once I became an adult and realized, oh, I now actually have some money to spend on that type of thing. I went and started looking backwards in my life and going, what do I miss? What did I have that I I miss having? What shouldn't I gotten have gotten rid of? Yeah, Smith, Smitty's flashing, <laughs> flashing his Amex black uh, at Dangerous us here. Cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the uh, the temptation is is there though when you when you realize that you have grown up and you can you can go back. So I went back and I got that Odyssey two again, and I went back and I got that NES again, and I went back and but I got why? that. But why? Why did you do it? To fulfill a childhood emptiness in your soul, or just because you wanted it and you wanted to play it now? I, I missed having them. I missed. I I mean, when when you look at when you look at what gaming was for our generation. Um, there was that we were the first, we were oh, the yeah. first kids to have that. Right? We invented video games. I pretty I mean, much. I mean, we did. I mean, started with much. Nolan Bush now invented video games. <laughs> but he was an adult. He was an adult when we were children. Yeah. So but right, I mean, his, the previous generation invented. We were the ones to grow up with it. And, is, and we're and we're saying. the ones that that forced our parents to spend the money on that. I mean, yeah. we all whined and bitched and complained oh, so yeah. much that they did it, right? And mm -hmm. and so we made we as a generation made it popular. And it's lived on ever since. And now we're in the positions to be able to do the things like make the games and bring the games to the people and talk about the games and all that. So, you know, for me, looking back, once I had that opportunity, it was like, oh, man, I, I really, miss, really miss having that. And there's as much as I, I do love emulation and I do love, you know, uh, remakes and all that sort of thing. But as much as I love those, I also love playing the originals. So 
having the ability to go out and go pick up that Odyssey 2 and grab a copy of Pickaxe Pete. That, that must have been hard to find. Was that hard to find? It really wasn't at the time. Okay. Um, because that's a little bit more obscure, but still common enough, you know? So it was like, yeah. eh, not too many people were looking for it. It's pretty easy to find it when it was out there. But, you know, that's that's kind of what started that for me, is to go look back and say, oh, God, I, I, I kind of wish I had that again. And so I went and got it again. And that's that was kind of the beginning of my collector's journey. It really wasn't, uh, it wasn't when I was a kid, although that planted the seeds. And it's not our collection, it's my collection. No offense. Do you collect things because of, because of the value, the monetary value, or do you collect because you want to have a, a physical possession that, that reminds you of something else? I, I feel very strongly about this one because anybody that's collecting, whether it be toys or video games or whatever, for monetary value, it's a terrible investment. You have to buy, like if you're going to go out and you're going to buy a bunch of different things for uh, a collectible reason in an investment stance, you end up spending so much on all the ones that aren't going to be worth anything. Uh, they're, they're going to end up, you know, being a bunch of dust collectors on your shelf for a lot of those things. And, and yeah. frankly, to me, that's just not the motivation that I could see myself doing this. I, there's not... There has to be a love for what you're doing in order to really want to collect it. And there are ways that you can lose that love, too. Uh, I was going really, really hard on the Switch collecting. And uh, and there was... God, i got to stop looking at Smitty when I say things like that. <laughs> um I was going really hard into the the switch collecting for all the all the different games that had English on the cartridges and the first year easy no problem uh second year was definitely tougher but uh, managed to stick with it and the third year um I didn't make it all the way uh there were so many releases there was so much material made that I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up and uh I took a really hard look at what I was doing and what I wanted to do, where I wanted to spend my money, where I didn't. Um, and, and I've changed my strategy on that, uh, which is uh, something that I think a lot of people that collect things um, for nostalgia purposes go through at, at some point in time. They take a look at what their strategy has been, why they're doing it, and what they're doing, and 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 sometimes just reevaluate that. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's absolute good reasons to to change what you're collecting. Um, and well, I'm sitting so what here. What did you change? What's your new trajectory? Don't keep us uh, waiting any longer. To be honest, I don't know that I've found the new trajectory yet. Um, hmm. I'm I'm still kind of in a space right now where. Where that's kind of in the air for me. So just explain a little bit. What what about the uh, these cartridges made them special? They had English on the cartridges? Yeah. Originally, the goal was to pick up each of the Switch games that had playable English right off the cart. So, you know, I living in North America, I was going to start with the ESRB-rated stuff and then right. fill in around that from other regions. So if the game didn't come out in the United States, I'd import it. So I've got mm -hmm. I've got Japanese games. I've got European games from from the UK, from Germany. Um, I've got Korean copies here. It just just whatever was available out there that was not released in the United States. 
because uh, I thought it would be just really cool to have this massive library of Switch games that was available um, because the Switch has such a, a broad library. It grew uh, in a lot of different directions really quickly, and there's a lot of remasters. There's a lot of newer games. It's It's got a great mix. But uh, yeah, just sheer volume became untenable for me. I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up. So I stopped. And yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in this weird phase right now of trying to figure out which direction I want to go. I did know that there were some things that I wanted to do. Uh, I, I, I want to go. I really enjoy the products that Analog is putting out um, with some of their their consoles. Um, they're they're kind of new high-end HDMI connectable versions of things like an NES or a Super NES or a Genesis, that type of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm putting a little energy into that. I also started going in, uh, going into uh, modding old systems. So I picked up a Dreamcast, uh, which <laughs> I've, I've owned before, and it's a great system. But, you know, modern television doesn't have the inputs for that or you have to like get a little box to go in between. So I've modded my uh, Dreamcast to have native HDMI using a wonderful uh, hardware mod. And uh, they now call that the DC Digital. I want to actually give uh, a little props to to the guys that work on that. I, I think that they're doing some amazing work there. The, the kind of collector flame in me is starting to look in a different direction and I don't really know where it's going to take me just yet. I do know that I will still pick up some switch games, but I think it'll probably be stuff that I, I, I just have more of a desire to play, uh, and not just have on the shelf. Yeah. See, I, I would say like the only thing I've really collected in, in depth was when I had a comic collection when I was younger. And my reason for collecting those comics was because I loved the stories. I read the stories. I wanted to see what happened next. I bought the next issue. And I did that with like dozens of titles, mostly Marvel comics, to be fair. I, I don't know why. Some, you're either a DC guy or a Marvel guy, I find, is you kind of gravitate toward one or the other. Um, and I was a Marvel comics kid. Um, and then I lost all that. It got destroyed in a flood, uh, 20 oh. something years ago, 97, flood in 97. It's a huge it, thing here. If I say cry me a river, is that too cruel? Yes, it is. Cause it was a river. It was really bad. The entire freaking, almost the whole city was underwater. Um, Ugh. but, uh, anyway, so, but once I lost it, I had no desire to rebuild it. It was like, you know what? I'm going to move on. I'm going to do something else. And I guess I kind of moved more into the realm of DVD collection. Um, I was at uh, the time I was working at Blockbuster Video, so I could I could buy movies for discount stuff. So I'd buy DVDs and stuff. And I kind of moved to that. But it never got as big as my comic collection did. Um, so you just kind of lose, I guess, you, you lose interest and you move on after a while, right? You just have to kind of change what you're doing to keep yourself interested in it. I think there's a lot of different reasons to change, you know, to, to yeah. switch directions. It's really unfortunate i make a joke but it was really unfortunate that you had to lose that kind of investment uh because i, I didn't think of it as an investment well, though i was a like personal oh, I just, investment I just kept them i yeah i just kept them like I, it's not like i read them put them back in their bag and I, i'd bring them out every once in a while and read them again just like you would with any other book or anything like that but I, I, you don't think of it in terms of money you just say okay well this is my entertainment for the week i'm gonna go buy my comic books you know instead of going to the movies or going to a sporting event that's what you did and uh and that's kind of how i 
I justified it. But yeah, then then at the point where it all got wiped out, the cost of comics had gone up, right? It was way more expensive. A lot of the stuff I bought when I was a kid was like 99 cents an issue or something like that. Now you can and spend then, $5 <laughs> on an issue. Yeah, it's it's crazy. There's, oh man, it's, I can't, I, I do read um, digitally. I, I read some comics dig- digitally and I also take comics to the library. Our, our local library here is a great selection of like graphic novels and and trade paperbacks and I'll, I'll go there and pick out some and, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, that's how I kind of scratched that itch. But as far as collecting things, when I think about like what you did with your collection of like retro systems, you're, it's almost like you're uh, building a museum, right? Like a video game museum. Kind of. I, I kind of did. I had I had them all displayed in a nice uh, wire rack um, that ended up, you know, being like a really cool piece to uh, to kind of have on display uh, the, the the idea of seeing them on a shelf was part of that that appeal is like oh man remember that you know and 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 being able to share that with people you know somebody comes over uh i used to host these great poker games uh at the house where i had all this sort of oh, thing set back up back when poker was a big deal remember when poker was fun when that whole thing happened in like the early 2000s and everyone loved poker texas hold'em was a thing <laughs> that's right that's what we would play some hold'em <laughs> But I, I'd, I'd get to have I'd, I'd get to have you know all, all these uh, friends come over and and they you know see him oh yeah I remember that I remember that that was cool prepackaged Star Wars characters still in their display box are those the limited edition action figures what's a diorama why it's Luke and Obi Wan and my favorite Chewie they're all here I, my collecting is very cyclical I'll go through these things where I'll I'll pick a bunch of stuff up and then I'll I'll sell it to do something else I, I almost always turn that into some other thing like a lot of those old consoles I turned into building my arcade cabinet um and I I wouldn't trade that you know yeah I know I, because I think part of your collection Eric was like the at the beginning when I first met you it was the uh mass of your collection that was your collection you know it was like that that was kind of like the backdrop for or the 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 street cred the legitimacy of of you saying yeah i am a big time collector and then here look here's a picture you know and you could show there i do have everything i said right. that i have and so like there when i first met you i remember the let's say the perceived value of your collection from someone on the outside was that you had every single thing, you know, that the size of what, and so, uh, and then I, you know, knowing you over the years here, seeing how you're, what you were talking about with changing how you're collecting. That's what I was asking you earlier, like the end game, you know, is there an end game to you of, well, one day I'm going to sell all this. I think, you know, you were talking about it being a bad investment if that's your initial uh, purpose, you know, and so I don't think that's your end game, right, is to sell this and right. make $10,000, you know, extra or something, you know. It can't, it can't be that. It can't it, be. It can't be no, that. You're not going to, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and we just, I, I do want to throw in a plug real quick. This collector's therapy session brought to you by NVIDIA. Or creative creative labs. Here we could do whichever one. Creative labs. There we go. Let me go back. Let me go get my sound blaster out of the box. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah I'll get my Voodoo Two Extreme video card and we graphics with card. SLI when it Ooh. meant scan line interleave. <laughs> I've uh, not interface. What's up? No. Yeah. No. It's a. Uh, there you go, kids. Look up those names. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I think everybody who collects something, it's an extension of their fandom of that thing. So whatever it is you collect, you do it because you love it and you want to kind of celebrate it and show off to people that you're celebrating it and just kind of scream from the rooftops that you love this thing. And for you as Nintendo and that kind of came into other video games and other systems. I do agree that it's very cool to see systems on display. You don't even have to play them for those old systems. You can just see them kind of out nicely. I remember going to World of Nintendo in New York when I went there. I don't know eight or nine years ago and they had like a they had like a museum of all the different nintendo systems going back to the original uh famicom and all that stuff and they had one of the things they had there that was really cool is they had a game boy that had been um blasted in the gulf war it still works it still works and they had that on the ender glad it was on it was on him playing the game and on the, the demo and i'm like that's so cool that that they have that and that kind of stuff is i find really cool that's Absolutely. history it's video game history yeah it's very very neat stuff yeah, plus plus you get to see some of the more obscure things like, and, and this isn't super obscure, but a, a Virtual Boy, for instance. Yeah. Not, yeah, not everybody had one of those. Not everybody has seen one of those. Not everybody has had the chance to play one of those. So if you have one of those <laughs> and it's sitting on your shelf, people do kind of look at it. Plus, it's got that really cool red and weird look to it. And it's just like, oh, that's What was the name neat. of that thing they had for uh, Super Nintendo that was the robot and remember oh, robbie that's for the regular nintendo that was for the original yeah. nes is that what it was for i couldn't remember i was like trying rob, to, the I, rob r-o-b and, and, and it was like terrible it worked for like one and a half games or something yeah, right? yeah. it was like yeah. and and like you could spin wouldn't it like you could spin tops or something and you yeah, had it had these little, yeah it had these little yeah uh, had these little spinny <laughs> uh, tops is probably the best way to put them uh yeah. they were gyroscopic tops and they could yeah. They could be spun by it and sit on the buttons, you know, <laughs> yeah. push the buttons on, on the thing. It never worked. And the whole point of it, the whole, the one game, um, gyro, gyro, or whatever, gyro, uh, the whole point was to raise and lower these walls that yes. he would, you would play one side and he, would, right. and he would do the other side. Yeah. So it was just, it was kind of a, a gimmicky thing. I think, and that came up with like the original yeah. system. That was like yeah. the first launch. There's also, uh, I think it's called Stack Up, uh, was another of those games. It's even yes. more obscure, but also use the Rob. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, man. You know, it'd be a good episode to talk about like obscure video game peripherals <laughs> and uh, talk about all the weird stuff that's come out over yeah. the years. Well, because so I future think topic I for still sure. have that because I think I tried, oh. I tried to sell it in a garage sale a long time ago and people were like, eh. <laughs> Oh, you know, well, you and I you can talk up, about that one day, and I'll I'll just have to buy it from you. I told you I had when you just brought up the Sega Dreamcast. I told you I have a Dreamcast in my closet, still shrink wrap, never opened. I know, I know. Oh, that wow. they gave me, and for and, some reason, you won't give it to me for free. I don't know why. I well, can't it, figure you know that why out. It's one of those things that I didn't like Dreamcast. I we was this one of the ones they gave out at E3? You have to he's talk nodding. into he's, the... He's yeah. nodding, everybody. We're, yeah. <laughs> We're on a podcast, and he's nodding. <laughs> no, I didn't want anybody to know the, how valuable it really was. Uh, yeah, that was back... I, I, I'll tell you this about the, uh, the Dreamcast. I hated the controller for the Dreamcast. That was, like, really awkward to hold. What's wrong the with the controller? It's so bulky. Yeah, it is weird. Look, I, I know this isn't going to be something that the people see, but I've oh, literally yeah, got my Dreamcast controller right here. This is comfortable. Yeah. A it's teeny, perfect. Tiny little LED thing that really just like it yes, showed a the heart VMU on it. right here. <laughs> the VMU. You can play a game on that thing. 
And uh, but I, I do remember that back in the day when the video game business, uh, when E three that kind of stuff went, you always wanted to go because you came back with swag, man. Oh yeah, it, it wasn't just oh, yeah. t shirts, man. You came back with motherboards and graphics stuff. and stuff like ten, you know. Or and then I come back to the like, games too. Oh, Absolutely. Oh everybody yeah they hand out games like candy but they yep. were on discs they weren't always on boxes and then we i'd come back at you know and half my guys at tri used to be mad because i got to go to these big shows and they're the guys humping their ass off coding all the games you know i'm just chasing money and press stories right and uh and they were and so i'd say oh yeah i went to e3 and they're like, oh, yeah, and you had so much fun, and you went to all the big parties. And I said, yeah. And then look. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, I love you, man. You're the coolest, man. Is that a whole box of Creative Lab speakers? <laughs> You're just like, yes. And I was like, now what I'm not telling you is the Klipsch uh, PC speakers I kept in my office. But you yeah, guys right? the Creative Lab ones. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, anyway, back in the day when you got used to get swag. But. You know, and then we used to do flight simulators. And so all the stuff that all of us used to collect, like, you know, the desktop mount yokes with, uh, you know, any kind of your rudder controls for the ground, all that. Or if you had driving games, you know, and you had the, the total wheels with the shifters and stuff. That was back in the day where they used to remember they used to clip to your desks. And oh, it yeah. was like uh, and they weren't simulators, but they were dang close. And, um, and that I still have all those peripherals. Not because I thought they would ever be worth any money, but they are just too stupid expensive to throw away. Or, you know, or, I mean, because they're just, I'm not, most people, like, you try to give them away, like, go try to give that to Goodwill. They'd look at you and say, uh, no thanks, right? So you have to be kind of a hoarder as well to be a collector, right? You have to be not willing to throw anything out. Well, I think that's the difference, right? What, what makes a, a collector a hoarder and a hoarder a collector? It's kind of... The, the definition. I've seen some pretty intense collections. I've seen I've seen collections where people just have everything stuffed in their closet and they don't have it on display. Yeah. That to me seems like a hoarder kind of a thing where they're just keeping it for the sake of keeping it. You have to be able to show it off and yeah. tell people about it. True, true. Right? Yeah, I think a hoarder would be classified as someone who, like you said, doesn't have necessarily an organization to it or a, or a purpose for you know having it uh, like presenting it or anything. But a collector. But then there's levels of collectors, like just like Eric's been going through his different ideas of what collector is from a monetary to a, just a personal, you know, and an emotional connection and then and a historical, you know, and documenting history. It's even like what, you know, like I do now with Special Reserve Games, right, is like we're always trying to, I would say, preserve digital art. And um, because I found that that's one of the things <clears throat> when you look back on some of these video games. We talk a lot about the systems and the the hardware and all that. Like, we always have that physical connection. The arcades, we always have that physical connection. But you don't always have that physical connection with each individual game, right? You know that we well not no, no, not anymore. Not when they're all available digitally and yeah. you can just download not it, anymore. right? So or that's on the your thing. phone. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, gross. I mean, I still <laughs> hate when people say, "Oh, I saw that game." I was like, "Where'd you play it?" Oh, on my phone. I was like, "Oh, you didn't really play that." Uh, it's not the you same. Play it's not the, the same. game. You just kind of wasted your time at the bus stop well no but even ports of like console <laughs> games like i got grand theft auto i think i've got like san andreas not san andreas uh, vice city on my phone you can play uh knights of the old republic is one i played on my phone it's not the same and then from a competition standpoint i know for a fact that Fortnite mobile you know is was, was never allowed 
in any form, you know, if with anybody of the big streamers or any kind of competition. So you couldn't play Fortnite mobile on against PC or console players because they all everyone knows that you know, it had assisted aiming. And <laughs> oh, does it really? Yeah. It was, oh shit! I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Fortnite on my exa- phone now. Exactly. I didn't know. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Games You Deserve. Thanks so much for listening. Let us know what you think of what we talked about today. You can follow us on social media. Links are in the description or leave us a voice message. For Smitty and Eric, I'm producer Dan. Game over. Game over.